take up space. One of the things that I've started to hear a lot more in the spiritual community is the phrase, take up the space. And actually be not only present in the moment, but be aware of the space that you actually take up in this life and allow yourself, allow yourself within this human experience to take up that space. And what, is that, what does that even really mean? What does it mean to take up space? Before the words take up space or taking up too much space or anything like that was seen as a negative, taking up space used to be seen as this really big negative. And we would associate space with not being able to be, sometimes even within our own personal bubbles. We would associate us taking up space with being a bad thing. And we would essentially, and and sometimes we still do, diminish ourselves for other people. We would put ourselves on the back burner so that we can prioritize other people. We would allow ourselves to fall to the wayside when it comes to doing something that could make us successful because we see the competition as being better than us or we see that maybe somebody else deserves it more than we do. And even when it comes to our struggles, we diminish our feelings about what we're processing through and what we're struggling with and what is going on in our lives because we'll tell ourselves that other people have it worse. And while that may be true, that maybe other people are struggling with things that are far beyond our our comprehension or other people are living in more poverty than maybe we are or we are far better off because of the things that we have in our lives and we should be more grateful for what we have in our lives. We will diminish what makes us human and we will diminish our feelings, both good and bad, because either somebody else is doing something better or somebody else has has it worse than we do. And we forget that we are allowed to take up space. We are allowed to have feelings. We are allowed to experience things. We are allowed to have profound experiences and feel the ways in which we do, both good and bad, about those experiences. Because at the end of the day, we are human beings. And we are allowed to be human. And we should allow ourselves to be human. But sometimes what happens is because of the fact that we have conditioned ourselves to believe that our existence may be futile or that other people are going through worse things than we are or other people have it better than we do. We have conditioned ourselves to limit ourselves and to put ourselves in like this this box in which we barely fit instead of allowing ourselves that room to just take up space and to be our authentic selves. 
And what happens when we do that is not only do we put ourselves on the back burner, not only do we diminish ourselves, but we even get to a point where we can't even celebrate ourselves. We can't even feel any kind of joy for any good thing in our lives because we are focused on the fact that, oh, well, other people deserve more. Oh, well, other people deserve better. Oh, well, um, other people have it worse. Oh, well, I am just one singular human and my existence means nothing in the grand scheme of things. And we tell ourselves these negative things because we have conditioned ourselves to believe that taking up space in this life is wrong. Now that doesn't mean to be conceited. There's a difference between being thankful, being joyous, and taking up space, and being conceited, or vain, or um, selfish. And there's also a difference between having some selfishness in your life and being this truly 100% selfish person. It's okay to recognize that maybe someone else might be struggling with something that, in the grand scheme of things, might be a little bit more than what you're struggling with. But it's also okay to recognize how you feel about your own struggles. And at the same time, it is also okay to recognize yourself as being worthy of success and being worthy of admiration and being worthy of recognition. For example, if you were to, say, win an award or if you were to, say, get the job promotion that you desired, it is okay and it should be okay to celebrate that even if someone else who could have been easily qualified for the same things didn't get it. And if you want to celebrate that person and recognize that other person as being just as worthy as you are, then you can do that and help them to see that just because they didn't get the recognition that you got doesn't mean that they are not as worthy as you. And I feel like what happens in this life is that we create for ourselves these states of competition with other people. We see other people doing the thing that we want to do. And especially when it comes to us living in this digital age of social media and seeing all of these different achievements and accomplishments of our friends, of our favorite celebrity influencers, and all of these different people, we see what they're doing and we compare ourselves to these other people, even to our peers. And we look at their lives and we look at where they are and we see it as a competition. One of the biggest examples is feeling like we have to have all of our priorities in check by the time we're 30. And <laughs> that we should graduate from high school by a certain age, of course, and then we should go on to college and we should all follow a similar path and then we should all know exactly what it is that we want to do for our careers um, at the age of 18 and, and maybe even 20 and by the time we graduate college we should already have a job lined up and we should already have the perfect job lined up and that's going to be our career and that's going to be our career path we're sticking to it and that's where we're going to be that's what's going to make us most successful 
and um, we should have kids by 30 and we should do all of these different things, but not everyone has the same goals. And it's important to recognize that we don't all have the same goals and that we shouldn't all have the same goals. Because if we did, we would continue to keep ourselves in this constant loop where we're basically just carbon copies of each other. And there would be no diversity. There would be no creativity in this world. There would be no, um, there would be no different path in this world to follow because everybody would be doing the exact same shit. (laughs) And if we have multiple people just doing the same things over and over and over again, and we live our lives in this, in basically this just one blobness, this grayscale life, we don't have vibrancy in our world. And it, it brings us into this state where we continue to feed into like this dystopia almost because um and not not going to like get political or anything but like we we create a dystopia for ourselves by thinking in such a way that says oh well we're not worthy enough oh well we're not good enough oh well we're not capable enough oh well this person has achieved this goal by this set time by this age and you know my friends around me are getting married and having kids and I'm still over here single without kids and and it's it it creates this like almost for lack of a better way of putting it this toxic environment for us when we believe that we shouldn't take up the space that we do and have the goals in our lives that we have Because, let's face it, I'm not, on a personal level, I'm not going to be happy following a career path going into the medical field. I know that to be true. Not just because I've been told that I have a weak stomach and not just because I kind of do have a weak stomach (laughs) um, to certain things, but... Also because I know that that's someplace I wouldn't be happy. I wouldn't be happy working those long hours. And even though I enjoy helping people, I enjoy helping people in a different way than, you know, being up close and personal and, and dealing with um, kind of more of the grotesque things that would, that would go on in the medical field. That's just something that has never been my M.O. But I have a lot of family members who have studied medicine, who have studied pharmacy, who have, you know, been uh, nurses and nurse practitioners, who have worked in the dental field, and dental and dental and medical are similar yet different. They all fall under the category of being medical practices, essentially. Um, but that's something that I never wanted to do. And I was always questioned about why I never wanted to do it. And the excuse that some people gave for me, talking for me, was that I <laughs> was that I have a weak stomach. But then the other excuse was that I had other things that I wanted to do. And when I went into college, 
uh, there were two paths that I chose. There were two paths that I knew that I wanted to choose. And one path I was even talked out of. I was, I wanted to go for psychology at one point and I was talked out of it by multiple people. <laughs> even people who took psychology, they were like, no, don't do it. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, I wound up going for something that I was also very passionate about, which is literature. And to this day, I am still very passionate about literature and especially English literature and 19th century literature. Um, I'm a big Jane Austen fan. I'm a big Thomas Hardy fan. <laughs> um, I, I literally worship Wordsworth and Coleridge pretty much. <laughs> and, and, I, and I love them even more now that uh, I've gotten to work so, so closely with um, professors that I had when I was in college that were really on the up and up and really delved into 19th century literature and um, one of my internships that I took in undergrad, my undergraduate internship actually, uh, the semester that I graduated, was um, an internship with the head of the English department and he has his own publication for 19th century studies and that is what I did with him and worked closely with um, uh, microfilm copies of manuscripts and copies that he made himself of manuscripts to transcribe and um, put into digital formats on a, um, on a website to be able to have a compilation on a digital website of um, 19th century literature and 19th century travel studies as well as poetry and, um, and different things like that. And it gave me even more of a fondness for something that I already had a fondness for. And I recognized that, you know, I, I really do enjoy the fact that I got an English degree and I got a degree in literature. But I'm still asked to this day, well, you've gotten an English degree, why don't you become a teacher? Because I don't want to teach. <laughs> Um, not because I don't think that I would be good at teaching, but because it's just something that I never really had a desire to do. And because I have a friend who is a teacher, my friend who is a teacher even told me, you've really got to be committed to it. You've really got to have a desire to do it. Not, not just the mentality to do it, not just the mental strength to do it, but an actual desire to do it. And that is something I've never had. I've never wanted to be a teacher. And people are like, well, why don't you just use it as a fallback? Because it shouldn't be a fallback. <laughs> it should be something that you're really invested in. And anything that you do in life, especially if it's a career choice, should be something that you are heavily invested in. And I have always believed that. And I believe that even more strongly now than I used to. It should always be something that you are not only heavily invested in, but something that's truly going to make you feel satisfied in your life. Because we can always do something with our lives that is making us good money. We can always do something in our lives that um, meets a specific goal that either we have for ourselves or other people have for us. But if we are not actually satisfied with our life and we are constantly chasing after the next big thing, we will never be satisfied. <laughs> like, um, like the song in, in uh, Hamilton, the, the uh, musical about Alexander Hamilton. 
he will never be satisfied. <laughs> so, you know, and, and, and pretty much take that as you will. But if you are always chasing after the next big thing, you will never be satisfied. And if you don't take up space in your own life, you will never be satisfied. We always hear um, one of my favorite things that I've ever heard. One of my favorite quotes, too, that I've ever heard is um, in reference to movies, essentially, but um, how there is the best friend role and there is the leading lady or leading or leading man role in, in a movie. There's always the lead actor or actors and then there are always the side characters and the best friends, essentially. Um, and then you've got your, you know, your dichotomies between protagonist and antagonist. Um, but essentially, um, to break it down, one of, one of the favorite ways in which I've heard this quote, one of my favorite ways in which I've heard this quote was in the movie, The Holiday, one of my favorite holiday films of all time with Cameron Diaz, Jude Law, um, Jack Black, Kate Winslet, and uh, Eli Wallach. (laughs) And Eli Wallach has a character named Arthur Abbott. And he tells Kate Winslet's character, there are two roles in films. There's the best friend and the leading lady. Now I can see that you are a leading lady, but for some reason you're acting like the best friend. And when you essentially act like the best friend in your own story, you create this, this like space for yourself that says that you're not even worthy of living your own life and having the things that you want in your life. And you're telling yourself that you can't even take up space in your own life because there is somebody else or something else that is taking up more space. And normally, 90% of the time, it's, it's another person and another person's mentality about who you should be. And you're confining yourself to this box and you're putting yourself in this box of what someone else wants you to be and doing the things that someone else wants you to do with your life. And then what happens is that you're not satisfied with your own life because you're living through the expectations of somebody else. Even to a point where um, sometimes uh, when, when we have people who are basically living vicariously through us, Um, like our parents or our friends or anything like that. People who are living vicariously through us because they were not able to do the things that we are able to do. Or they wanted the the life that, that they're pushing us to have, right? And one, on one hand, they're jealous. And two, on the other hand, because they didn't get to do it, they're pushing us to do it. And it's not and, and it winds up not being what we want. And we recognize that sometimes too late. Um, and once we do recognize it, it winds up upsetting that person that wanted us to do it in the first place. But what happens is, is that sometimes we need to prioritize ourselves and our wants, even if it means that we're gonna disappoint somebody else. Because if someone else is going to be that disappointed in us over having our own identity and having our own wants and goals and aspirations and dreams, and someone else is going to get mad at us for taking up some fucking space in our own lives, then maybe we don't need that person in our life. (laughs) And maybe we need to rethink and reevaluate that person's place in our lives and in our narrative and in our story. 
and what kind of space are they taking up? Are they taking up a good space where they can actually be supported? Or are they taking up a negative space where they're pretty much trying to diminish us in our own lives? And that's one of the biggest detriments, not even just the detriment of telling ourselves that we don't um, have the authority in our own lives to take up space or that we don't have the worthiness to take up space at all, but to let other people take up so much space in our own lives that we diminish ourselves because of these other people. And that can be one of the biggest and worst detriments to us because we essentially say that one, we're not worthy of taking up space at all. And then two, we're not worthy of taking up space in our own damn lives to be able to live our lives and do the things that it is that we want to do. And that winds up being so fucking frustrating. <laughs> and, and it winds up giving us this, this idea that we continue to perpetuate that says that other people are important. And that other people are more important than us. And I'm going to tell you right now, whether it's, and we usually wind up doing this um, more with either familial relationships where like maybe we have a parent that's trying to live vicariously through us, or we do this within our romantic relationships where we prioritize our romantic relationship more than ourselves and more than anything else in our lives. And it creates this imbalance in our lives. And we're like, fuck. (laughs) But we, we create this state where we almost, whether consciously or subconsciously or even unconsciously, we create this like space where this other person is kind of on this pedestal and we are giving our all for this person and meeting their needs and meeting their expectations and meeting their goals and doing what it is that we want, that they want us to do. And then we wind up unhappy and I'm gonna tell you right now even if you're in a happy relationship harmonious relationship with somebody even if your relationship is healthy even if your relationship is one of your number one priorities it shouldn't be the number one priority I'm gonna tell you that right now because making your relationship with another person more of a priority than your relationship with yourself is absolute fucking bullshit. <laughs> and, and I hate to be so blunt, but it, it winds up hurting you to make someone or something so much of a priority that it creates this dependent relationship on this person and thing because it creates this, this codependence from this person onto you and maybe even from you onto them. And it also creates this this state where if you even so much as try to get a lick of independence or a lick of space or anything to just be you, that other person's gonna get angry. That other person's gonna feel deprioritized. And that is something that I struggled with for the longest part of my life. I would, especially in my romantic relationships or even my, uh, my sexual relationships where I had like friends with benefits relationships, for example, uh, <laughs> um, I would prioritize the other person. 
and I would mold myself to fit their needs and their wants and um, particularly more within my uh, my romantic relationships that were more than just friends with benefits. I think there was only one relationship in the four long-term committed relationships that I had <laughs> that I didn't try to bend myself to be someone that I wasn't. Um, that I didn't try to be this person that I wasn't. There was only one relationship where I really did truly feel accepted and it was a high school boyfriend. <laughs> it was my it was my second high school relationship because I did have one like six months relationship when I was like 16. Um, but then when I was between the ages of 17 and 19, I had this two year relationship with this really sweet guy. And that was the only long-term relationship that I had where I felt seen and valued and heard and where I didn't feel like I had to present myself as someone other than who I was. And in a way, there were, there were ways in which that relationship was immature because it was always kind of at this puppy love um, honeymoon state. And it kind of got to a point where neither one of us towards the end of the relationship were really like fleshing out as much as we should have been and and branching out into these independent um, adults versus the teenagers that we were. Um, we were still teenagers, I mean, think about it. We were in a relationship from the ages of 17 and 19, but then between the two of us, um, I was the first one to get a job. I was the first one to move on and go to college. I was the first one to you know, do something different with my life. And then um, by the end of the relationship, like I still loved this person and I still in some way hold love for this person in my heart even though we have no contact, they are an ex for a reason. Um, I, I still look back at that relationship and that was pretty much the only relationship where I didn't feel like I molded myself to be someone that I wasn't. And I didn't try to mold them to be someone that they weren't either. And the two relationships after that, I very significantly, and my friends can even attest to this, molded myself to be someone that I wasn't for these people. And even though I learned some things about myself and I got into some things that now um, really have helped me, such as spirituality and being more open and being more um, open and curious about things that maybe I didn't understand before, um, and I started branching out on my own and learning things on my own and being even more independent, uh, I still look back and I go, what the fuck? Why did you mold yourself into this person that this other person wanted you to be instead of just being your authentic, high vibrational, boss-ass bitch self? <laughs> and why didn't you just take up space? <laughs> um, but now I take up space, not in a way to diminish other people, but I take up space in my own life, being in my own frame and working on that consistently every day. And I check in with myself at the beginning of each day and at the end of each day to see where I'm at, what I'm feeling and how I can show up maybe even better tomorrow or how I can continue to show up the same way that I was already showing up that worked. And how can I continue to love my life and love the place that I have within this life and 
be happy being me and and who am I and what am I and what makes me me and sometimes that changes on the daily you know like something that I might have felt yesterday I might not be feeling today and something that I might have prioritized yesterday I might not prioritize today but at the end of the day I am still whole and complete and I know that I am worthy enough to take up space because I have a life that I am destined to live and I create this life for myself and if I want my life to be beautiful then I have to say that I am worthy of a beautiful life and create from there. So, go forth and take up space. Take up space in your own life. Don't take up space to diminish other people, but also don't let other people diminish you. Know that you are worthy of living your best life and being your best self and having the life that you desire. You are so worthy of it. And if anyone tries to tell you otherwise, they're wrong, they're wrong. And I hate to be that blunt about it, but they are, they're wrong. They're wrong for telling you how to live your life and how to be happy and how to be successful when you know exactly what it is that you want that is going to make you happy, healthy, successful, and high vibrational. And you can choose any kind of wordage or verbiage that really helps you. It doesn't have to be the words vibrations, alignment, anything like that. Choose what works for you but the message still stands. Take up space in your own life and be proud of the space that you take up. And be yourself. Be yourself. I know that, I know you hear that all the time, but be yourself because trust me, it works. And that is the best thing that you can be in your life. I love you. Bye.